Good morning and welcome to Sport and Life with Sam Kekovic and Leon Wiegard. And big article today, Sam, about a great mate of yours and mine, Bobby Skilton. Inducted into the Australian Hall of Fame. As a legend. As a legend. So and now that, that there's only four AFL footballers in a legend class. Legend status, yeah. Three of them are members of the Bang Sang, or were. Or were. And I might add, just as an aside, Leon, I honestly, without being patronising, can't think of a more worthy winner. Lovely. Than the great Robert Skilton. In every facet of the game, whether it be performance, character, or or whatever else you oh, like. Oh, skill, God. Could skill. he play both, both feet? Both feet, and I was fortunate enough to play against the great man uh, on a number of occasions. Admittedly, he played at the lowly South Melbourne for a while, but he did feature in one semi-final when the great Norm Smith took over Melbourne in 1970. And he went in injured. Which when is he injured, a, that's right. A, a great disappointment yeah. to him, I know. And, of course, you officiated at the ceremony, which uh, I don't think it's any secret that Bobby's not enjoying the best of health at the moment. He has a bit of... Uh, oh, better than what he what I thought. Yeah, you um, said he was surprisingly a lot, lot more lucid than uh, you anticipated. I tell which you Which is what, great news. It was at a beautiful home uh, of his son, uh, Brett, yeah. And it's in Garfield, north, south, east or west. Uh, now, to my knowledge, Garfield, as you go up towards Morwell, is on the right-hand side, towards which is Warrigal, quite right. Towards yeah, on, right. on the way to Warrigal, yeah. yeah. Or Morwell. Or, or Morwell, whatever, all that, yes. Gippstone area. But, but you go to the left off, off the uh, freeway. Right. And then down a road, a country And then you beautiful countryside. And... Uh, so uh, it was at Brett's place. Uh, uh, John Bertrand and uh, Andrew Plimpton were there representing the, uh, the Australian uh, Hall of Fame Sport of uh, Sport Awards. Yeah, and then uh, the footballers John Herriot, who I'd never met before that I remember. You would would you have played against? I did. Him? I back? did. He was a great uh, uh, Swans fullback, or South Melbourne as they were now yeah. and then. And, of course, another guy you're very, very enraptured by and you spoke very highly of. Well, Max Papley. Now, yeah. I rem- when Max Papley came on the scene, I remember this blonde-headed bloke. He was a, he was a player and a half. and Very he, skillful Papley. And he was a bookmaker. A bookmaker? Yeah, and I said to him, gee, was you, are you the only footballing bookmaker? And he said, yo, you've got a good memory. <laughs> He's actually now... Uh, I'm sure this is not conf- in confidence that he he was tied up with that bank, the uh, the uh, uh, Bendigo Bank, right. where they have a community and, and the, the community bank. bank the, yeah. the community owned the bank, uh, yeah, so they they started one in his area, which is not far from Garfield, somewhere out that way in Gippsland, and now that bank has bought all the banks around them. So they've got about six banks now, this is the little group from... So you're telling me the Bendigo Bank actually funded his operation, the bookmaking? <coughs> All, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to so, become a bookmaker if the banks are funding bookmakers these days. I think his bookmaking days were well and surely gone. I, I think he seems to have done very well. Who else was there? Now, can I ask you, was he a legit uh, registered bookie or one of those SB colourful bookmakers that flourished in the well, 70s? Well, I think he must have been registered because it was always in the paper. That, yeah, uh, well, you've got to be, yeah. Uh, but the colourful ones were only 
only made the tissues when they were arrested. Oh, well, pe- <laughs> and people, uh, younger people won't know that every club, every hotel, hotel had their own, yeah. And you had you had the people keeping knit. Uh, That's right. <laughs> That's right. Side lane and what they call them the. Uh, there was a name for them. Yes, the, there uh, was. The uh, cockatoo or something. <laughs> something like that. Anyway, um, <clears throat> no, I don't think he was one of those. But it did hark back to the uh, great days of footy yeah. when, when I was a kid and you were coming. Uh, it evokes some fond memories. I even looked at a photo of Bobby, remember, which is one of the greatest photos of all time with his two black eyes. Oh, yeah. I think Eric Guy was – was it Eric Guy that wiped him out? Oh, God. I, I think it was Eric Guy. That wouldn't surprise Tough, me. yeah. Or Bluey Shelton, what? No, I don't think it was Bluey. It was no, Eric I think, Guy. I think it was Eric Guy. Eric yeah. Guy, a strong halfback flank. Yeah, from oh, strong. I'll say he was. Well, if you didn't get Eric Guy, you got Lindsay Fox <laughs> <laughs> and a little cheeky fellow named Neil Roberts. Neil Roberts, what a superstar! So, um, but talking about South, the one guy I wanted to talk to those guys about, and I forgot to, was Ron Clegg. Oh, he was. Well, the legendary so, status. Carrick, Clegg, he, so he was a, he, he was the Bob uh, the uh, Teddy Whitten of uh, of his time. And I tell you what else he was. Remember the one commented on that all club shared, particularly South Melbourne, North Melbourne, Fitzroy. Equally, it was the Sunday Barrel. Remember oh yeah, the, 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 well, the, the, word. honest John Gilbert. Oh well, <laughs> <laughs> well, Ronnie Clegg used to feature prominently. Yeah, yeah, play the guitar. Play the guitar. <laughs> they were huge and massive those mornings. Or was it a banjo? Not, uh, yeah. Oh, something. Oh, you sing along. Through it. Sing yeah. along. <laughs> I remember when I first came to North Melbourne in '68, and the Sunday mornings were, you know, it was it was it was the the function to attend. And South Melbourne, North Melbourne had a. Uh, had a wonderful, wonderful relationship in that regard. And we used to go to South Melbourne sometimes and vice versa. And I always remember it was a it was it was a singathon from ten o'clock in the morning till midnight. They would be unbelievable. Well, Fitzroy used to have the barrel uh, at the ground and honest John Gilbert, who was the comedian of the day, uh, yes. uh, would always be there. He must have been a Fitzroy supporter. Then after the barrel was gone, just the one barrel, they'd have a a loosen up it or a, a whatever you call it, which is one lap of the ground <laughs> into the grog. Oh. Then we'd all repair, or all those invited. That's right. Would repair to Butch Gale's pub, the Birmingham Ooh. on the corner of Smith and Brunswick Street. So this joint was uh, no no trading on Sundays, no <laughs> training on Sundays or trading. So the pub was chock-a-block, you know, cars all over the place. And well, I'm in there, of course. And there's some blokes from the country staying upstairs at the Birmingham. <laughs> so they're down the this. Birmingham. Yeah, it was residential as well. Oh, oh of course. Oh, well, <laughs> uh, uh, Pat and Butch lived upstairs. All the kids were yeah. born up there, so they had extra rooms that they uh, hired out. And these blokes from the bush said, "Chief, was that bad? How did they get away with this?" <laughs> so I said, oh, "I'll ask Butch, Butch." These guys want to know how you get away with running this, and he and they said, um, "What do the police think about it?" And he said, oh, "I don't know. Go and ask them. They're over there. <laughs> yeah, they're over there." <laughs> but the constabulary were wonderful. Then was, you know, oh, was Australia of old. So long as you behave yourself. Yeah, as long as you behave yourself. What harm were you doing? Kids got to kick up the bum if they played up. That's right. Now, of course, the bloke would be what assault. Oh, not only that, police can't police, teachers can't teach, and parents can't parents. 
because of all these greens and wokes and soft cocks. Gee whiz, it didn't take as yeah. long to get round to that. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was harmless. We used to have, oh, we, one of the great features, Dodger Ryan used to run our Sunday mornings. Uh, he's a tough bloke, wasn't he? Oh. But what a lovely bloke as an older fellow, though. You, you, I couldn't imagine he was a rough, tough footballer. Oh, you tell you what, when you walked in our, after, after the morning barrel, front and square were Paddy Kelly, yeah. Teddy Gerard, Dodger Ryan. Dodger Ryan, that's, oh. that's your backline. Honestly, it was like the Craze. Remember <laughs> the Craig brothers in London? <laughs> and on the, phone, on, the, on the piano, we had a piano in our rooms there. Because of the old dog track, that's where the yeah, stewards I, and all them. The, so in the in the room was a guy with the big coat glasses, and the North Melbourne people who listen, if they listen to this, would remember Freddie the Bat, and he'd be singing Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck. It was honestly, <laughs> it was a kids' program. It was insane. I couldn't believe it. I'm walking into a Lee Club. I said, I've left Merlefield. I said, and you know, I used to have a chill down my spine. I said, Oh, gee, how do I fit into this? This is a real, of really, this is triple A stuff. Then I say, Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck. North <laughs> Melbourne, Joe Carr was there. Oh, Fingers? Yeah, oh, yeah. what about Fingers' great trick? And the great Alan Kilgrew, remember the hot yeah, gospeler? Yeah. He said, and Fingers had come in. He'd take his eye, he had a yes. glass eye, remember, and put it in your beer. He said, I've got to keep an eye on you today, Kegger. <laughs> yes, yeah, great He great. loved Joe Fingers' car. Yeah. He said, look, he mightn't have been able to play, but, oh, God, he put his body in. His <laughs> level of commitment, he said, was unparalleled at North Melbourne. Well, all clubs had those Yeah, characters. we had those characters. All, all the clubs. Well, Jack McGregor at Fitzroy, those sort of guys. Yeah. You know, Mulga Shelton, I've spoken to you about yeah, that before. Yeah, Mulga, you did, yeah. Uh, he's been here for a couple of years, I think. But, um, you know, you'd look up to them, really, because they were such characters. And what about the great John Brady? Brady turned up to Laurie Eck. Remember those Laurie, guys? Yeah. Oh. Well, his son went on to play a lot he of football, did. of He did. a good footballer, great player. Uh, uh, now, today, we're going to do a little review of the year, find out what's, uh, what's good and what's bad about footy, and a few predictions from your good self. Now, for instance, the way we uh, worked it out, I've got, I've got the final eight. Yes. And we, that's been reduced, as you know. So Collingwood, Melbourne, Carlton, uh, Sydney Swans, St Kilda, the Giants, the Lions and Adelaide. That was a, not in that order, but the, mm. they were the ones that are, are playing. So let's concentrate on those that didn't make the finals because okay. that was really tight at that at the point bottom end of the top yeah. eight. Um, the Bulldogs, 48. Now, how do you rate them and where are they going? Well, the Bulldogs, I think, in all fairness, would be the biggest disappointment of the year. Uh, to think they would lose a game to the West Coast Eagles, which ultimately cost them a place in the eight. But the year all round has been topsy-turvy. And I think when you look at their list, that they have certainly underachieved. Uh, so you certainly don't give them a pass mark. I think they've really got to review their, uh, their following division. I think their midfield, whilst it's workmanlike, it's not brilliant. I mean to say, you can ask Liberatori and the like, and of course, Bond and Pelly, as good as there is. But of course, their forward line, their defence at full back, I still I think they're brittle in defence. Uh, and of course, they need another ruckman. You know, you can't have English rucking all the time. You know, where he's too valuable up forward, where he can snag one or two very important goals. So the bottom line is, I think they've underachieved. 
they'd be bitterly disappointed internally for missing the finals because I think they expect themselves to be a shoe-in this year. And on some of the past performances, you look at them and I think they could have quite, quite easily have you know, probably gone deep into September. They look like being premiers for a while. At one stage, uh, yeah, yeah, you could build a strong case. All right. Adelaide, uh, no, they were four points behind uh, with 44. Well, I reckon Adelaide were the great... The great the, uh, the, the revelation of uh, one of the revelations, mm. you know, under Matthew Nix, they played a very attractive brand of football. Now, he was a guest of ours on uh, uh, Sport and Life. He was. Uh, uh, sounded like a lovely man. You've met him, I have. I've worked with Matthew uh, when I was on radio, so he's a very astute guy. He knows his football inside out. Uh, a great people's man, great communicator. And I'll tell you what he is he's a wonderful strategist. And I think you look at Adelaide's performances over the year, how many times they've led sides, they've, you know, at. Uh, Three-quarter time against very good sides. You know, they had their their real golden part of the day, you know, where they led by four and five goals. They were always in the contest, played a very attractive brand of football, kicked long, went through the midfield. They took the game on. And uh, you look at Matthew Nix from when he first started, when Adelaide were nearly a basket case. And he was too yeah, for a while. <laughs> he was. But the gradual improvement has been uh, fairly uh, fairly significant. And they play, uh, I think, of all the clubs outside that have missed, I reckon Adelaide's the club with the most upside. I think you can look, if you're an Adelaide uh, member, you could look forward to 2024 with a great deal of optimism. Now, how about the Bombers? 44 points again, the same as Adelaide. Well, I don't know what to make of the Bombers. The Bombers, until the last two weeks, you could give them a tick. But to bow out in a very feeble, insipid manner in which they got absolutely pummeled in the submission, you know, you've got to ask yourself a question mark. I think there's a, I think too many of their top, their top guns are overrated. I think the likes of Stringer, who's, you know, they, they've got a very high opinion of. I think, uh, you know, I think Brad Scott has certainly worked him out and put the acid test to him and said, either you stack up, mate, or, you know... Yeah, I think we've seen so many players like Stringer over the years. Uh, what do you call? We used to call them flash in the pan blokes. Yeah. You know, you'd, um, um, but he's highly rated. I don't know. You, know, you look at him, but well, he's a match winner when he's on. Yeah, when he's on. Well, I think he'd be a worry to Brad Scott. I know that. And of course, they're you know, their forward line structure's all right. They're a bit brittle in defence. They've got a midfield that needs bolstering, and of course, they copped injuries at the wrong time, but. Look, there's a nucleus to work on, but the way they fell apart at the end is really worrying. You know, sides get thrashed by 100-odd points. You know, you've got to really ask yourself. Now, Geelong, uh, Premier's last year and also runs this year. Yeah, I don't know what to make of Geelong. I really don't. You know, I've watched a lot of their footy this year. You know, they're highly talented. They're in the games. You know, they look like the games they should win, but they didn't. You know, I don't know whether they've... You know, it's, it's easy to say there's a level of complacency sets in after a lot of, lot of success. I know they copped a few injuries, but I reckon the time has come where, you know... I know they gave Hawkins another 12 months and I reckon his performance has been A-OK. But I reckon it's a bit like Buddy, you know. And I looked at Carlton when, uh, you know, when uh, they lost their key forward and you put in a couple of smart running players and all of a sudden their game plan is a little bit indifferent but when you've got Hawkins 
you know, they play to a certain pattern. Same with Buddy Franklin. They look for him all the time and they become so predictable. But when they're not in the side, you know, they tend to, you know, have far more options. But look, overall, I think Geelong were disappointing. I think uh, Scotty would be... But the one thing about Geelong, they keep reinventing themselves, rejuvenating they themselves. Mm. They don't fall away. They're very, very bold. They're in the premiership business. They'll they'll be bold. They'll trade. No matter who it is, if they think they can get a player that's going to fill a void, they will do so. Unlike other clubs who just want to maintain a holding pattern, Geelong will certainly be on the front foot and be aggressive. Uh, Tigers are much the same, aren't they? Tigers in a similar position. Well, there's no doubt ageing stars. You know, father time catches up with a lot of them. And, you know, you saw the uh, you saw a number of them retiring, you know, Rewalt, Cochin. They're big holes to fill. Dusty's been an outstanding contributor, but, you know, Father Time's catching up there. And, uh, uh, and uh, he's had some injuries, obviously. And had injuries, and injuries catch up. You can't, you, you can't, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't uh, fake that. Or you can't, you know, you can't heal that when you get to 30, 31, 32. You just don't recover as quickly. And, uh, you know, they've had a golden run, so the time has come now to make some really hard decisions. Whether you sort of clean the, clean the ship and start afresh, or once again, you know, you try to uh, select and, you know, get, get involved in the trade, and then hopefully you pick one or two up in the, uh, in the uh, draft. All right, Geelong and uh, the Tigers, they both got 42 points through the year. Behind them uh, was Frio. With 40 points. Well, Freo's another side, topsy-turvy. At one stage, I, th- I think most of the footy pundits uh, had them in the eight at the start of the year, given the fact they played their home ground advantage, and yet they lost a lot of games at home. And they looked, you know, pedestrian. And on some occasions, they looked uh, awesome and aggressive. But once again, they, they suffer because they don't have key forwards. And, uh, you know, once you don't have a key forward... And, you know, you've got goal-kicking options. You can't keep defending and saving games. And I think they paid the penalty for that. So I think they'll be aggressive too in the marketplace. But they're not far short. I mean, it's all these sides of, you know, a game or two out. So it's a very fine line. Oh, yes. That's, uh, well, that's right. Well, 48 points would have almost got you there got you most in. Years. Yeah, yeah, got you in. Um, now, the Gold Coast, I think the AFL seemed very determined to make them work. And um, they got 36 points this year, which is... Well, not a pass mark, but uh, on the way. Somewhere. Yeah, on the way they looked they looked the goods on occasions. They got out of the blocks pretty well, but you know it's uh, they've had a, a long ten years in the wilderness. The time has come. You, know, you say the AFL, well, they, they are the AFL's baby, and they certainly need bolstering. Probably one of the reasons Dimmer's up there now, I suppose. Uh, but they'll be certain they're still a work in progress. It'll be interesting to see how things. Uh, work out in two, 2024 under Hardwick and uh, whether, it was, whether it was worth the exercise and worth all the, uh, all the uh, clandestine little meetings and the, uh, all the mysteries surrounding his appointment and all the AFLs, uh, well, you can't say the AFL allegedly were complicit in the uh, appointment, but I dare say they got their ugly, dirty fingers in there somewhere, Leon. <laughs> they wouldn't have been disappointed anyway. No. Now... Um you would never have thought about this a few years ago, but Hawthorne third bottom uh, with 28 points, but shown, shown oh, great showed showed a lot of potential. They're on the up. There's no doubt about that. Sam Mitchell will be ecstatic, I reckon, with uh, with their with their performance because they saw a 
lot of improvement out of their young guys. Sicily's turned out to be a very good leader, despite sometimes his erratic behaviour, but uh, I think he's leading from the front, and I think there's a lot of upside to Hawthorne. Hawthorne will be t- delighted. Now, the very interesting thing was uh, North Melbourne losing the number one choice yeah. <laughs> through winning a game. Um, uh, both North and uh, West Coast finished with 12 points out. Um, firstly, you're an insider at North? Well, I'm not an insider, but uh, I, interesting that, you know, Clarko's, uh, Clarko's take on the, uh, the game that they, they'd lost or they won which uh, preclude them from taking the number one draft pick. They might still end up with it with their trade or deal. I don't know what they'll do, but uh, he was adamant that the integrity of the game is far more important than, uh, you know, worrying about the number one draft pick. That's just the way we are at North Melbourne. We're very ethical, Uh, unlike some clubs who perhaps would have tanked, Leon, without looking at you personally. but uh, North Melbourne, there was a lot to like about a lot of their football in the second half of the year as, a, as some of the younger brigade became uh, a little bit more confident in their own skin and have a sense of belonging. Cecil was a, uh, a terrific yep. a terrific uh, draft and uh, he was the uh, nomination for the uh, player of the, uh, the, uh, the, rising star. the rising star. Thank you, Dan. You just escaped me for a moment. Thank God we got you on board, Dan. And they've got a full forward that looks uh, very, very promising. Well, he does. He does. He's kicked nine goals. He's just uh, short of the Coleman medal. So, uh, yeah, there's a, few, a lot of positives. But then, you know, Goldstein's got another year whether he can carry the big man department. It's going to be debatable. We lost Cunnington, who's been a, a fantastic mm. uh, servant of the club. Zeebel, of course, he was another good workhorse over a long period of time. So, you know, we take a lot of those and, you know, we'll probably lose two or three others. So there's a lot of experience going out of the side, but uh, I think we had a good foundation year. Clarko, well, we, you know, we had a lot of... Look, the issue with Clarkson wouldn't have helped destabilising the club with the uh, Indigenous issues and uh, over at Hawthorne. Uh, that would have certainly uh, upset the club, but... I think a, a good pre-season and a year of stabilising and Clarko back on the back on the landscape and on the tools. I think you'll find that North can improve. And finally, uh, the West Coast have pretty well been bottom all the way through. Now, that's, this is an extraordinary story, isn't it? It is. I can't believe over it. Over such a short time. It's beyond my comprehension, Howside. Do you know that they have about 40,000 members are waiting to become members of the club? There's that flush with money. I know money's not the... Panacea for uh, for improvement on field. You got to go. You got to grow organically. Acquisitional growth is no longer prevalent in the AFL. But a club of that ilk, that it would slide off the. I know that they've had a lot of injuries. Nat New is uh, is retired. Some of their older brigade that have been the cornerstone of the club for a long time are rapidly approaching the Saturdays and Sundays of their life cycle, or footballing life cycles. And they just haven't had a filter of players coming through, which is really surprising for a club that you know, has been such a juggernaut in the competition mm. for such a long time. And, of course, Adam Simpson's still been retained. You know, there's speculation that he was retained because of a massive payout, but the money wouldn't have worried them, regardless of how many millions it is. But uh, they'll be certainly, uh, the eyes of the footballing world will be firmly centred on the West Coast Eagles. All right, now we watch the, uh, the ones that are still in the finals and uh, get your opinion on 
which way it's going to go. We're at the pointy end. We've only got a couple of weeks to go. Well, dare I say it, Collingwood also obviously nominal favourites. The uh, footballing gods have smiled upon them with uh, last night at the uh, tribunal with Maynard getting off, regardless of what you might think. Uh, that was a decision of the tribunal. Uh, and, of course, there's a lot to like about him. Nick Dacos coming back. Uh, I don't think it's cut and dry, but uh, they are the nominal favourites and there's a, there's a lot to like about them. They're going to uh, go straight into a preliminary final. They'll go, uh, obviously, play a Port Adelaide or the, uh, or the Orange Machine, you know, GWS. Uh, and you would think they'll start favourites there and go into the grand final. So, yeah, there's a lot to like about Collingwood at the minute. And Carlton, you know, um, talking about the year overall, God, that's an amazing story too because they were out dead and buried uh, halfway through the year. Well, Carlton is one story that depicts the fickle nature of our great game, Leon. The subtleties, you know, the frailties and the, and the, uh, vari- the variables of human life. When they were losing six in a row, remember? The footballing guide, well, well, the Carlton supporters were baying for blood. Voss was going to be sacked. You know, the, yeah. the list management was under enormous scrutiny. And all of a sudden, they put the last six or seven, you know, wins in a row and really gathered a lot of momentum. There's a lot to like about their playing style. And uh, here they are in a, uh, in a semi-final cutthroat. And you can build a very strong case why they could, you know, probably topple the demons. Um, right, now, on to more contemporary matters. Here we are, it's a Wednesday, it's the day after uh, Braden uh, Maynard. Maynard got off. Yep. Um, what was your opinion of that? Look, I thought, now, I, allegedly, I think it was a very poor decision. I think he should have certainly got time. And I'm not saying he was guilty or there was any malice or intent. But the reality is, if you judge it for what it is, and you look at the the victim, he was sadly concussed, badly concussed. There had to be a duty of care and some form of punishment had to be meted out. To what degree of severity, I'm not sure. But am I surprised that it got overruled? No, I'm not. Because if you look at the world at large or look at our society at large, our judicial system, they meet out, you know, slaps on the wrist to guys that have uh, transgressed miscreants, you know, ten times. They bail them, bail them, and you know, a, give them a soft sentence. But uh, I can't believe that uh, the victim once again has been overlooked in this case. There should have been some penalty meted out. Yeah, you know, if it was on the boundary line and it was a late bump. As yeah. simple as that, you know, no, sure. ju- no jumping in the air. No airborne, no, if he's not airborne. You'd get into trouble for a late bump. Well, you would. There'd be some, there'd be, there'd be some uproar about it. But uh, Mind you, th- this was, I don't know, many, many years ago when I was involved with the AFL, there was a strong defence of, uh, or they were trying very hard to keep the legalese out of these court, out of these hearings. Yep. Because it became a technical battle. Well, and then you, but you couldn't do that, of course. Eventually, lawyers said, "Hang on, you can't deny people 
the right for a defence. So right. that brought the QCs and so one smart ass is smarter than the other smart That's ass. Right. And it really became no longer a football matter, it became a legal, legal matter. Legal issue. And so, I have no doubt, well, I'll recant that statement, only because of my conspiratorial mind. When you look at the Miser Cult, now that, that case lasted four hours, Leon, four hours. It shouldn't take that long to adjudicate an issue like that. But you're right, because they call in these various witnesses and various legal eagles and whatever, you know, they talk they talk to, you know, ABC. But you're talking about the might of the Collingwood Football Club, you're talking about an individual that may conceivably miss a grand final. Then you look at the power brokers behind the scenes, and I'm only allegedly suggesting this, but the Maguires and the Browns of the world would have worked feverishly behind the scenes. I'm not saying that would have influenced the tribunal, but there, would, there was enough noise around the whole case leading up to it that everywhere you turned and everywhere you read, everyone said he should never be penalised, should not be penalised, because there's no malice or intent. But in the, in the spirit of the game, that's probably right. But in the actual letter of the law, when you're airborne and you confront someone, you know, and you look at the victim, I mean to say, you've got to meet it out. You've got to meet out a penalty, whatever that case may be. So I suggest it was the wrong decision. But it may have been, you know, there might have been... A, I'm not suggesting that they were swayed because of the groundswell of support for the, uh, for the, uh, the, vote, the vote or the, the way it was adjudicated. But I'm suggesting that it was the wrong one. And it certainly... A penalty was... Well, the point you brought up was quite valid. That is that even the courts we talk about now with kids doing horrible things... Horrible things for being... And getting a slap on the wrist. That's right. That seems to be the life in which we're winning. That's now, the life in not, which we live. We're not saying that it was a bad decision. You, you, you've got to... I mean, these people are elected to do a job. That's uh, right. And it comes out... And with a great degree of integrity. I'm not suggesting one for one moment that there was... They were influenced or swayed. They would have made it a judgment, I guess, on what they perceived to be the right decision. All I'm suggesting, they got it wrong. Mm. Got it badly wrong. Right. Now, uh, talking about the AFL, there's been a bit of an argument for a couple of years now about whether the Brownlow medal ought to be held the Monday after the Home and Away series. Uh, Now, they'd be having mad Mondays all over the place. But even the week after that would perhaps be more appropriate. I don't know. Is there too much work on Grand Final in, Week? On Grand, Grand I couldn't Final agree with you more. Mm. It used to be done on the Monday straight after Home and Away season, because that's when it, you know, it encompassed every player that played. Yeah, you know, the next four weeks, it, it's, the Brownlows are relevant. Mm. So why would you not? Why would you not select it or a duty or? Get it over and done with on the Monday straight after. Forget about Mad Monday. Uh, Monday night, have the Brownlow. And they have a Mad Tuesday if they want to. Have a Mad Tuesday or whatever. And some clubs shouldn't have a Mad Monday or a Mad Tuesday. should hang their head in shame and, you know, walk away. Seeing themselves, you know, in all these, you know, fancy costumes and, you know, over hanging over drip trays. Try and get a kick first and get, you know... 
That's right. Make yourself somewhat relevant instead of being a goose. That's like right. These, these these things after the event, that, that, that's not your go because you weren't even in the photo after you won the 75 grand final. Well, okay. Well, I've got a regret there too. But oh. I t- just on the AFL, whilst we're on the AFL, how do you rate their performance, Leon, for the year? Well, look, you've got to look at the record. They record after record after record. They're, they're ruthless, but they get the job done. So... Uh, so record crowds, yeah. you're saying to me? Yeah. Television rights? Yeah. TV? Yeah. Well, I think if you say that, and you're probably right, that the evidence is fairly compelling from that perspective. But if you chip under the topsoil and you really analyse their performance, I reckon they've been pretty ordinary. Well, I reckon I, I, Goiter's... I, I reckon Goiter has led that uh, commission very ordinary. I've never met the bank, but they are definitely getting themselves into areas that I believe personally they've got absolutely nothing to do with. Well, the first thing you should do is separate them from state, state oh, and politics. I don't know where that. Sport, yeah, no, that's came Gill. From. Gill and Goiter. Well, Goiter's in, in charge, so he's responsible, and Gill to come up and adjudicate on things: Black Lives Matter, LGBT, you know, uh, climate control. Yeah, you know, they've got a voice. Well, he doesn't have the right to do that. Are they under duress from people in politics, perhaps, who... Well, you ask yourself, perhaps they might be. They might be, but it's not their domain. Their domain, their charter is very clear. Yeah. Is to adjudicate in our game, to make it the best possible game and to leave it in a better place than the previous their predecessor. And when you look at their... And, and I see I analyse their performances not at the top end of the food chain... But you look at it at the bottom end of the food chain. You look at country football and you look at your strong suburban leagues. You know, and a lot of that, a lot of those competitions are really struggling. And when you consider that, you know, just an influx of a small amount of that wealth that they generate could go to those areas and you could, you could manufacture, not manufacture, but you could give players the opportunities of following their dream like we did to go to the AA, to become an AFL player. I think this notion that we've got this TAC or whatever, you know, this elite competition and this drafting system, I think that's due to be revamped. I think you can overhaul that because I reckon a lot of good players slip through the cracks. I think this notion that players, the families have got to drive their players 200 metres, so the Bendigo pioneers for argument's sake. You know, some families drive their kids 50 miles or 100 miles to go to training and it's a lead form of competition. And there's others that probably can't afford it or, you know, and they're mm. kids that are very capable of playing elite football and in country leagues in particular that uh, I think uh, we should really overhaul and look at it very closely. I'm not saying that the draft doesn't probably get it right in terms of selecting the best players, in the, but there are saying that there are a lot of other kids that could probably come through the system in a, in a, more, in a more streamlined uh, process than the draft. You're on Sport and Life with Sam Kekovich and Leon Wegard with a compliment of Michelin wine. And what a drop that is from, well, not only from the Gamby, but they get it from Heathcote as well. They do, they do. And they've got the other uh, winery now at Yarra Valley. They do indeed, Leon, and uh, look, it's easy for us to say it's a great drop, but we, we say because unfortunately, not unfortunately, but fortunately we've had, we've got access to it, and because of that sometimes there have been the case where we've probably over-imbibed. 
but it is quality product and uh, how lucky are we that uh, our great mate Jerry Ryan. Yeah, well, I'll be giving you two bottles of... Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course, I'm a guest here today. So I've got access to two bottles of the print. And we'll be seeing Jerry yes. in an hour or so. Yeah, we're, we're going to have a bite to eat at uh, one of those truly great... Uh, well, a funny name, eaters. Untitled. Yeah. Untitled. Uh, that's a restaurant we're going to. It is. And that's in Swan Street, Richmond. It is. And it's called Untitled because it hasn't got a name outside. And that's one of the great appeals. Well... And I think... Uh, I'll tell the new boy I'm going to a place called Untitled. Untitled. Well, they would have, you know what? They'd be probably that uh, that confused by it and they'd be in a state of uh, curiosity that well, they'd think, let's go into the Untitled and see what it's like. We'll see how many of our committee bakes turn up today. <laughs> <laughs> they'll be walking up and down Swan Street. Where's Untitled? <laughs> it's the right. name of a horse. Now, we'd like to wish uh, Jared Blair well with his one thaggy team, the old Collingwood player. Yes. Uh, he's the captain coach. Uh, they won on the weekend. Now, I watched that. My daughter got on the local television, you know, they, they played Leon Gather. Is your son-in-law too, Leon? Or Who? about to become? No, no, they're, they're business partners. Oh, business partners, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Jared Blair's married with two lovely yeah, kids. Yeah, two lovely kids. Your business partners, sorry. Yeah, I business partners. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, they beat Lee and Gather. And, of course, for all the country folks and those in the amateur footy, and that's an exciting time for all of you. So who are they playing now? Don't know. No Maui, idea. Uh, no, Maui's are playing... Uh, I don't who, know. Where'd they play that game? They played it at... Uh, Morewell? Morewell, that's yeah, right. Or they play... My team next week, Maui. Maui. Where Peter Gallagher, uh, gotcha. yeah, the Gallagotas boys are yeah. the president, uh, Manny Gallagotas, which you had on this show. Yeah. Maui won, uh, we beat them in the, uh, won their preliminary final. Oh, did they? Well, they'll be playing. They'll be playing Maui, or, yes. On Saki. Okay, well, uh, we'll have to have a bet. Well. I'll tell you what. Not out of bet I'll bet you a bottle later. of. Print. Mitchell. <laughs> All right. Okay, I'll bet you a bottle of that. And we'll have it at Old Duke. <laughs> oh, dear. Now, uh, a couple of other things. The uh, AFL Coaches Award. Now, this is the way they've gone this year for the uh, best and fairest player. Or they don't call it the best and fairest. It's right. the best player. Or the most valuable player, I think. Zach Butters won it pretty easily. Who? Port. Adelaide. Zach Butters? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 109 points. Uh, he beat uh, Marcus Bontempelli. Yeah. Uh, 102. From Nick Dacos, who, of course, was out uh, for yep. the last three or four games. Or um, He was on 99. 98 was... Um, Petrarca. Petrarca. And 91 was Lockie Neal. So I wouldn't go any further down than that. Is there the Brownlow medalist in that lot? Well, you talk to the punter. Yeah, Brownlow's always they're all midfielders, aren't they? Mm. Well, they're all they're all going to be well, there. Well, every one of them. Every one of them. So they're going to be in the final. Lockie Neal, you know, previous winner. He's going to you know he's going to have a he's going to attract a lot of uh, votes. Uh, they say Zach Butters. See, we don't take that much attention because they're from Adelaide. No, and, and yeah. I, I, you, I, even the other day, I, I didn't notice him, but he yeah. came up with about 28 That's right. You know? No, he's been on their radar for a long time. But by virtue of the fact that we're, you know, Melbourne-centric, you don't tend to take notice of these interstaters. But he's had a magnificent year. Now, how, how, they, how he's perceived it, Bondapelli's always up there. 
And, of course, uh, Petrarca's had another great year. So, you know, take and, your pick. He might have been an advantage too with Oliver being out for a couple Oliver of weeks. Oliver being out for a while, yeah, in the uh, last few weeks. So, uh, yeah, so, anyway, it's all up for grabs. Um, and that's uh, pretty well the season so far. Who's your... Uh, You've already picked your winner of the uh, of the uh, AFL Grand Final. I do. And the Brownlow, you think? Brownlow, I think Petrarca can win it. I don't know why Petrarca win it. Well, I think Bontempelli. Yeah, well, tell you what a big statement was that they regard Bontempelli now as even the the, the greatest bulldog of all. Ooh. Yeah, were quarters within the within the uh, the kennel that suggest that Bontempelli now. Even overtakes the great Teddy Whitten. Teddy Whitten. It's a big statement, but he's, I think he's already won about five or six brown uh, BNFs. Yes, and he's certainly been a great leader for them uh, for some time. Uh, yeah, but anyhow, Leon. Apart from all that, grand final week. There's one common denominator that's always prevalent, and that is since inception, grand final week is unique, regardless of where you are. Melbourne, it's like the Spring Carnival in Melbourne, the, you know, Melbourne Cup. It is a fantastic place to be. Look at the weather, 22, oh, 23, 25. Spring, there's a step of alacrity in our step. We're bouncing around and there's a great aura of expectation and nothing will ever change in the appeal of the grand final. And it's become a real event now, regardless. It's just a pity that supporters from both camps don't always get access to the uh, to the tickets because now it's become a major corporate event, as you know. And uh, unfortunately, half the tickets are doled out to these, you know, to uh, the corporates who hand it out to these, you know, poodle-rooting, Audi-driving, you know, Turakites that have got no understanding of the game. And uh, the poor died-in-the-wool supporter through rain, hail or shine. He's compelled to Coventry and got to listen to it on the radio. Which Very I'm, difficult. Uh, well, it's uh, not. I'm going to change the dynamics of that and change the landscape. How are you going to do well, that? Well, I've got to tell the AFL, write a letter, to, a strong letter. From now on, regardless of the corporate contribution, you allocate them just a handful to the managing director and you give them a table. Not this 500 tick, or 1,000 tickets that they give them out to all, oh. you know, Coca-Cola and Toyota. And then they dole them out to, you know, Harry Larry, who doesn't even follow the clubs. You only give it to the people that actually follow the clubs, the bulk of the tickets. Is that a fact? Yes, that uh, is a about fact. That many tickets go to a sponsor. Like they do. Toy, toy 500. Yeah. A minimum of. Well, there you go. Um, Plus what goes on the side, you know, that uh, we don't know. Now, have you got an invitation to the green room, you know, the room where all the acts go? Because you'd like to meet all the Kiss boys, wouldn't you? Oh, that's another disgrace. See? Oh, this is where I find it absolutely reprehensible and abhorrent. This is where the AFL just got no idea. You know, they go overseas, you know, meatloaf. Now they've got Kiss. Like, who, the, who in their right frame of mind would be a Kiss fan? Who would want to listen to Kiss? There's enough local talent, surely, that they could have gone to that would have made grand final entertainment fantastic. They've used uh, locals from time to time. Yeah, they? well, they do. They're still going to have hunters and collectors. I think Mark Seymour. They... Well, I have a coffee with one of the hunters and collectors band, but this is just um, uh, Seymour himself. Yeah. Um, but why but, but why have Kiss? Why would you pay them a million, whatever you're paying for? You can have a great 
compilation of Australian talent. You know, whether you have Jessica Mowboy, you have uh, you have uh, 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 Delta, Barnsley, Delta, Delta Goodrum. Well, we had her last year, didn't we? Or... Well, whatever. But you know, have a great compilation of Australian oh, talent. Delta was on with. Um... Robbie Williams, Robbie Williams, that's right. Yeah. But have a great compilation of Australian talent. For God's sake, it's an Australian product. Bring back Johnny Young. Bring back Johnny Young. Kamal. 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 Why are people so unkind? And my, and, and, so why don't you have a nostalgic part? Bring back some of those zig and zags and all that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's appropriate for footy, zig and zag. Oh, zig and zag, yeah. Uh, oh. No, we could showcase a oh, lot oh, of them. Ben Angus, uh, <laughs> yeah. ben Angus had, <laughs> wished he had it zigged instead of zag. <laughs> anyway, it's good talking to you. And um, that's it for the uh, footy preview. Next week we're back to standard and we'll have some guests for you. We will indeed. We've got a very special guest next week. Have we? Yeah, one of your favourites. We oh. work with you. I think he did. He was on your program when you were head of the uh, 3UZ network. Oh. The great Craig Parry. Well, Popeye. Now he, Popeye, yes. What a golfer. And some funny stories with Popeye. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, he lost weight and lost form. You know, he, he swing. He I know. We talked about it the other day. He was totally out of character. Yeah. Uh, short bloke, little stubby. Yeah. He, he, so he said, oh, I've got to get trimmed like these other big players. Uh, he couldn't do it. Uh, the other thing he did, everybody in pro golf hits these big uh, – they don't hit fades. Yeah, what it goes yeah. from if you're, if you're a right-hander yeah. – it goes out to the right. Draws. It's a fade. A fade and a draw. They all hit draws. Yeah. It, it goes further. Uh, Craig worked out that it's easier if you faded the ball a little bit because it's safer. stays on the fairway. And he had some wonderful wins and a, a great contributor to charity. He, uh, yeah. For many years, uh, I got to know Craig through his palliative care at the Western Suburbs. Yeah. And yeah. he was very – he had a big golf day every year. And uh, came down from Sydney for it. He's a mad doggy supporter. Yes, or he would be. From Sunshine was his first club. That's right, Medway. Hmm. Sunshine, then Medway. Then Medway, all right. So there you go. I always remember remember for one very important Yes. When he won his, that tournament, Dural, remember oh, yeah. when he held <laughs> he it from about 150 metres? He, 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 he and his brother had he, a stash. Yeah, they had a stash. <laughs> <laughs> what they should use. Anyhow, we'll have Popeye on the show next week, Leo. Oh, looking forward to it. Uh, thanks for joining us on Sport and Life, and we'll, well, Popeye next week. That's him. And uh, enjoy your week in sport, and we'll see you then. <laughs> <laughs>